Welcome to Apologetic Simplified. I'm Leah. And I'm Andrew. This is a podcast for regular people with real questions about the Christian faith. Click that subscribe button or follow on your favorite podcast app. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and send us an email anytime at apologeticsimplified at gmail.com. Welcome back to Apologetic Simplified. We hope you're all staying in and staying safe. In fact, this episode is very special because we are recording it remotely. Just just like we always do, because, I mean, we live in two different states. That would be quite a commute. Yes, it, it would be. <laughs> but seriously, stay in if you can. And uh, if you're looking for something to do in your time of social distancing, how about listening to a podcast? This one I in mean, particular. I, yeah, we think our podcast is pretty cool. Yeah. So does our mom. Yes. She, she's our top fan on Facebook. She is. And you too can be a top fan. Just comment and share and like and do all those sorts of things. And you might just get that badge. You might. And if you want to make us happy, you could even take a screenshot right now and share it so that everyone else can also have something to do during uh, self-isolation, quarantine, Exile for the good life. of the realm. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so, Leah, what are we talking about today? Well, I hope you know, but we are going to be talking about young earth versus old earth creationism. So as Christians, we do believe that God created everything. That's just a basic part of what we believe. Part of believing in God is believing that God made all the things. But exactly how God made all the things is where we begin to divide. And we are going to be talking about two of, I'm going to say the three major ways that people understand um, basically the age of the earth is what it comes down to. So we are going to be talking about young earth creationism and old earth creationism. Fortunately, the names are actually pretty descriptive. So old earth creationism is talking about the belief that the earth is old. Um, and young earth creationism, which actually is a little simpler, so I'll, I'll describe it briefly first is the belief that the earth is around four to 10,000 years old, depending on who you're asking, which also shows there's some variation within young earth and old earth creationists about what their specific beliefs, but that the earth is very, very young. And they're taking that mostly from biblical records of um, ancestry, I believe. Andrew's going to be talking about that more. So he'll, he'll flesh that out more than I will. Um, but old earth creationists take some of these biblical passages more figuratively and look at science and say that they believe that the earth is actually quite old and that it's way older than four to six to 10,000 years old. So I'm going to be talking about old earth creationism. But before we get into that, we want to talk about two things that are really important whenever you're talking about the age of the earth. Oh, I should tell you before that. We're not actually trying to convince you of one of these. We just want you to be aware that they're here. So we're going to present both of these sides as fairly as we possibly can. Because, I mean, this isn't like a salvific issue. It's important, but it's not a salvific issue. But we do want you to be aware because it is important to be aware of what the different sides are. So that's really what we're wanting to do is just present to you some basics of both of these cases. So now, before we get into that, um, a few things I want to talk about. First of all, this is really more of a pet peeve than an essential thing to say, but when you're talking about any kind of apologetic anything, especially when it comes to science, um, remember that the word proof 
has a very, very specific meaning. You probably did proofs if you ever took geometry. You may or may not have loved them or hated them. Proofs have a very specific, narrow definition. And so just be careful to not say, well, this proves the earth is young or this proves the earth is old. Even in science, there's a very few things that we can like definitively prove. There's certain things that we can say without a shadow of a doubt, this has to be true. But a proof is a crazy small definition. There's only certain things you can prove, but we can have great evidence to believe what we believe about all kinds of things. So that's, that's just me being, um, um, well, I majored in math and so it made me a stickler about it, but getting off that soapbox, two of the things that really are important for us to talk about and understand are the word, uh, the Hebrew word yom and the concept of Adam. So the Hebrew word yom is the word that's used for day in Genesis when it says on the first day there was morning and there was evening, which is a place where young earth creationists and old earth creationists split very quickly in like what, verse two? I don't know. Quite early on in the book of Genesis. So it's important to know that that is a place where we start splitting um, in our creationism. So I thought it would be good for us to get some definitions of the word yom. So I looked it up in my handy lexicon, and um, it is, I don't actually remember the name of it. We just call it Halot in our studies at DTS because the name is really long, but I'll link to it in the show notes. By the way, anytime we say that we're using something or that we have a particular resource, it's linked in Amazon um, to an Amazon link, which I don't know if you can actually, there's certain things you can still order on Amazon. But check it out. So if there's anything you're interested in, just go look at the show notes, which are probably in your podcast uh, page, whatever you're on. Or you can go to apologeticsimplified.com slash podcasts. Anyway, um, yom from halot. It can mean day or daylight, number one. Number two, it can mean a day of 24 hours, which is what a young earth creationist is going to believe. Um, number three, it can be a specific day. Or a special day, actually. A special day uh, festival of some kind. Number four, it could be the day of the Lord. Number five, it could mean a lifetime. Number six, it could mean a period of time. And this lexicon goes on for ten listings of the word yom or yom. Ten. And they each have several subpoints. There are many, many, many things that the word uh, yom can mean many 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 things so i just want to acknowledge those are the big ones those six that i named and we're going to be talking about them as we go so i just wanted to give you a basic foundation of what yom actually is next the person of adam this is where young earth creationists and old earth creationists tend to agree and theistic evolutionists are going to disagree um so this is actually a point where young earth and old earth creationists agree a good bit is that the person of Adam is important to our theology, to our biblical theology. So the reason, one of the big reasons, I think theologically, that both young earth and old earth creationists do not believe um, in evolution, I'm going to say on a, I think only creationists use these terms, but I'm going to use it anyway. On a macro scale, evolution does happen within species. That's typically called microevolution, like changes within birds or whatever. That does happen. That's very clear. But macroevolution that we evolve from species to species, um, part of the resistance theologically for that 
is that the person of Adam is really important to our theology because Adam was sinful. We believe that in Adam's sin, we are all inherently sinful. This is the idea of original sin. And Jesus is the new Adam. And there's also passages where Jesus talks about Adam as if he was a real person. A theistic evolutionist is going to find ways to go around that and say it's okay that Adam is figurative, like he doesn't have to be a special person. But young earth and old earth creationists are going to say, no, this is actually really, really important to our theology that Adam was a real, actual human person. Adam and Eve, actual human people. That's really important to who we are. And in the way that Paul talks about Adam in his letters, in the way Jesus talks about Adam, that Adam needs to be a real person theologically. So I just want to acknowledge both those things. Hopefully it'll be helpful as we go forward. But with that said, we are going to move to Sayeth What? Sayeth What? All right, so as you may be aware, there's a uh, certain virus going around. I've never heard of it. Oh, really? Well, um, we like to refer to it as the virus which must not be named. Or, you know, just Voldemort for short. We've decided that for the rest of this podcast... That is how the virus will be referred to. We should do this from episode to episode. I think so. I think so. So every time we talk about the virus, which must not be named. Or, you know, Voldemort. Yeah. We should refer to it that way. Because, you know, I think the other word is too, it's too stressful for us now. Too much anxiety around it. Absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, there's a uh, lot of things going on. Uh, along around this uh, virus, which must not be named, or Voldemort. Everybody, everybody's trying to stay inside, uh, and there there seems to be a shortage of certain necessities that I, I don't really understand. You know, toilet paper <laughs> for a respiratory virus. <laughs> Indeed, I mean I can understand wanting to stock up because you may be in for a while, but. When you get three grocery carts full of toilet paper, I think you might be overdoing it some. And you know what? This has become personal. It's affected me because my supply is starting to uh, diminish. So I did something that I have never done before. What's and, that? Well, I ordered toilet paper from Amazon. Wow. And you know what? Credit to the Amazon people. It still arrived in two days. Wow, that's actually really impressive. Yes. So I am prepared to weather this storm, I guess. <laughs> Have you seen the things that are like, someone toilet papered my house. It's now valued at $875,000. <laughs> I saw a, um, a, a little cartoon, and it was these Native Americans outside their tents. Uh, somebody had uh, teepeed. They're like, well, that's just redundant. Well, you know what else is crazy is gas prices. So now we can put really cheap gas in our cars so that we can go nowhere. But when we need to fill up, man, is that useful. Indeed. I, uh... Just, uh, if you, if you go to get gas, I'd recommend bringing hand sanitizer with you. Yeah, that'd be wise. Always. Yeah, because so many people touch that. If you do have gloves, wear them. Also, remember that gloves... They don't, like, kill the virus when you touch them, so don't, like, touch something a lot of people touch, and then touch your phone, and then touch your face. 
Yes, if you want That's... to kill the virus, sanitize. Sanitize. Wash your hands. Wash. wash your hands. That's even more effective. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, now that we've talked about the side effects of the virus, which must not be named or, you know. Voldemort. Yeah. We're going to move back into talking about creationism. And this has been Sayeth What? Sayeth What? So I am going to start us off with Old Earth Creationism. And we are going to talk about Yom again, which we just talked about. Yum. Even th- yum. <laughs> so I have several resources that I'm using. Um, the biggest one that I'm using right now, I'll talk about more later, is this Four Views on Creation evolution and intelligent design and it has some of the best people that you want to be reading as um their writers and so these four contributors like ken ham who andrew's going to talk about and hugh ross who i'm going to be reading from write their thing about old earth creation young earth creation evolution and intelligent design intelligent design's another great one which we're still not getting to because we're mainly talking about the age of the earth today but you should read them as well Anyway, they each write their own blurb about what they believe, and then each of the other three contributors gets to respond. So you can only get to see what people think, you get to see the rebuttal, and then you get to go read whoever did the rebuttal, their thing, and the people's rebuttal of that, and it's awesome, and it's not very big, like it's so small, little bitty book. I'm saying look, but it's for Andrew, I know you guys can't see it. Yeah, you can't see, but yeah, it's like what, um, maybe an inch thick? Yeah, maybe. It's pretty small and it's easy to read, but it's packed full of useful information. So I would recommend that. I'll leave that in the show notes as well. So even though I named six of ten understandings of Yom, they list four. They see um, four distinct literal definitions. And I will say people group definitions differently based on usages. So the fact they have four isn't problematic, especially for a tiny book. Um, So there are four are a portion of the daylight hours. That's number one. Number two, all of the daylight hours. Number three, one cycle from evening to evening or morning to morning, basically one of Earth's rotation periods. Or number four, a long yet finite period of time. So that's how they're understanding the word yom. They're looking at those four main definitions. And then I mentioned earlier that even within young earth creation and old earth creation, there are several different ways to, even within each of those things, there's different opinions and different ways that people are interpreting scripture and even interpreting science. So they are saying, and this is also a quote that I'm just going to read straight from it. Old earth creationism is a big tent. It includes multiple interpretations of the Genesis creation account. Number one, creation days as revelatory days. Number two, 24-hour creation days separated by long eras. So they there were 24-hour days, but there was a lot of time period between those days. Number three, creation days as a literal framework. Days in quotes. 24-hour, uh, number four, 24-hour creation days following a time gap between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-3. Number five, analogical or time-relative creation days. Number six, creation days as ages or long time periods. Number seven, any combination of the above. So we're not even limited to one of them. You can do lots of things. So I'm going to talk briefly about Yom, but then older creationists have a lot of other really cool evidence, but I do need to acknowledge it. And again, I'm going to read a quote because 
Hugh Ross says it better than I can. So I'm just going to let Hugh Ross speak to us through this creation, evolution, and intelligent design book. Day-age creationists see three different literal usages of Yom appearing in the first Genesis creation account. They view creation day one as contrasting night from day, the second definition above, which was all of the daylight hours. Creation day four contrasts seasons, days, and years, the third definition, which was a earth rotation period. And in Genesis 2-4, Yom refers to the entire creation period, the fourth definition, a long yet finite period of time. The day-age view, which is what he is saying makes most sense to him, considers the creation days as six sequential, non-overlapping time periods. So essentially what we're looking at here is day-age creationism, which again considers the creation days as six sequential, non-overlapping, long periods of time. So that's what day-age creationism is, and I believe Andrew's going to talk about the response from younger creationists to that. One of the things that's important to look at here is their understanding of Scripture. So some would say that older creationists are stretching Scripture a little too thin by saying that it's, well, the, the way this is described is rather poetic and figurative, but figurative doesn't actually mean that it's not true. It's just a, a figure of speech or a way of being poetic. It doesn't mean it's not true. So it's important to recognize that old earth creationists are not denying inerrancy in any way. They're just saying we need to be understanding this text as older creationists believe it's meant to be read. It'd be kind of like going to a parable of Jesus, which are usually very hyperbolic and taking it literally. Like it wasn't meant to be literal. It was actually described as a story or going to the Psalms and looking for, I don't know, something besides poetry. When you show up to these places, you need to understand what you're reading. When you go to the prophets, you're going to be reading prophecy. You're going to read prophecy different than narrative. You're going to read narrative different than poetry. You just need to understand what you are reading. And so old earth creationists are going to be saying, we're not looking at a literal descriptive account of creation, but a figurative, but still true understanding of it. And that doesn't undermine or go against inerrancy in any way. So now that we've talked about Yom, I want to move on to two other big evidences for old earth creationism, the fossil record and some astronomical evidence. So first, the fossil record. Some people are, especially Christians I've heard, are a little skeptical of the fossil record because it's so often used as evidence for evolution. But I want to point out that just because something is used for evolution or is even used for something secular or comes from a secular source, that doesn't mean it's not true. All truth is God's truth, and I believe very firmly, and I know that the fossil record is full of really good, useful, amazing information that we were literally able to unearth. Huh, I don't think I've ever used that phrase literally before. Anyway, so fossil record is good and useful. So one of the places old earth creationists like to go is the Cambrian explosion, which was about 541 to 580 million years ago. Um, what's interesting about the Cambrian explosion is that while there have been certain things that old earth creationists would agree with younger creationists on, like the importance of Adam and maybe theistic evolutionists on, like the age of the earth, this is a uniquely old earth creationist 
take on the Cambrian explosion because in some ways it goes against young Earth creationists because, well, 541 to 580 million years ago is way, way older than young Earth creationists believe that the world is. So it goes against that and it goes against theistic evolution because it's, well, it's, it's quick. This explosion we see in the fossil record, suddenly many different species and things start appearing and evolution supposedly is something that happened really, really slowly. It happened over time. It takes time for things to evolve. And so we would not expect to see this big boom 541 to 580 million years ago. So this is something that old earth creationists really latch onto as great evidence that the earth is old. And something interesting that I found while I was reading was that old earth creationists do not believe that hominoids are humans, are human image bearers. So they see these people that look like humans, they're hominoids, but an old earth creationist, I'm going to say mostly, probably theologically, believes that these species that we find that are hominoids are not human image bearers. They're not the same thing as what God created when God created Adam, even though they look like us. And to clarify, what is meant by hominoid? They are creatures which look a lot like humans. That's a good question. So let's move on to the astronomical evidence, which is some of my favorite. If you've heard my story before of looking at the stars in the sky One of the things that I remember my dad telling me was, you see that galaxy? Do you see that star? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, the light that's been traveling from whatever star or galaxy it was has been traveling to your eyes for whatever period of time. And it was usually hundreds of thousands of years. I was like, whoa, hundreds of thousands of years. The light has been going through the universe and has now reached me. That's so cool. Um, So, for instance, if you didn't know this, it takes eight minutes from the light for the sun to reach your eyeball. So, if you look up at the sun, which I don't advise because, you know, it'll blind you. But the light that you see from the sun has been traveling for eight minutes before it hit your eye. Now, I meant to find other things to tell you. And then it takes this long for this thing and this long for this thing, but I forgot to look it up. So pretend I did. In fact, even better, this is your homework. Google it. How long does it take for the light to get from, insert your favorite star, planet, galaxy here, to my eye? It will tell you. The internet's amazing. So I'm going to hop straight towards the end then. There is a galaxy called the Andromeda Galaxy, and the light from it has been traveling for two million years before it reached your eyeball, which is, I think, so stinking cool. Two million years. So I see that as really strong evidence for an old Earth that the world has been... um, (laughs) I just realized that I told you I wasn't going to convince you, but it's become very clear which one that I hold to. Oh, well, it's fine. (laughs) You don't have to agree with me. I'm not that concerned about it. But I think I do think that it's really good evidence that the Earth is old. And I think it's super cool to think about God creating all of this and given it two million years to let it reach our eye. I don't know. That says something to me about the patience of God. Anyway, that is my overview of old earth creation. To review, Yom is understood in a variety of different ways, even within Genesis 1. Genesis 1 is seen as figurative, but still true. And the fossil records and the Cambrian explosion point us to an old earth. 
but also away from evolution, and then the astronomical evidence of how long it takes the light to reach our eyes from all of these amazing things in space, I think is super cool evidence. And again, I told you I wasn't going to try to convince you, but here I am. But it's okay if you disagree. Um, so we are going to talk about young Earth creationism next. But before we do that, we're going to move into Newsflash. Newsflash! Newsflash! So there's a lot of news going on right now. No way. Mostly <laughs> pertaining to the virus, which must not be named. Or Voldemort. Yes. But if you've been online on social media, you may have seen a video going around where uh, actor John Krasinski put together a little show he called SGN, or Some Good News. I think the way it went is he first went on Twitter and asked his followers to send in some good news that he could share during this time. And he did. And it was uh, very amusing, but also uh, very... Uh, well, very good. Some of the that's things good, he did is that's um, what it's called. <laughs> yes. Some of the things he did is he uh, skyped with Steve Carell, and they reminisced about their time on The Office. But he also shared some other um, good news stories that have been going around. Uh, one that I found really neat was actually what he closed with was um, this girl who had just uh, she'd had cancer and she'd just finished her last chemo treatment, and as she was going home. Uh, her friends and family lined the streets in their cars, cheering her on as she was going home. Aww, and he actually had so her cool. uh, had her on and talked about it. And yeah, that was really cool. So I think that's a great reminder that even in the midst of all this chaos, there's still go there's still good going on. And I think especially from a Christian perspective, even in the midst of all this chaos, God is still here and God is still good. Amen. So that has been. Newsflash. Newsflash! Newsflash! And we are back, and I'm going to be talking to you about young Earth creationism, which in many ways is very simple to understand. The Earth is young, and it comes from the idea of the plain reading of Scripture. So when you read the Genesis account, it says the first day, the second day, and the idea is those are days as we understand them now being 24-hour periods. Most of the evidences for this are actually responses to old earth creationism because early on before we'd made some of these scientific discoveries, the literal way of interpreting it was the most common. So it's sort of a, I'm not going to say uh, combat, but in some people's perspectives it would be, but it's definitely a response to old earth creationism. These points that we have been making come from Answers in Genesis which is an uh, organization headed up by Ken Ham, who's one of the main voices in Young Earth creationism. If you're familiar with the Creation Museum, the Ark Encounter, those are all connected through him. So one of the primary points with Young Earth creationism is the belief that Genesis is history. It says that Genesis chapters 1 through 11 share the characteristics of historical narrative that are used in Genesis 12 through 50, most of the book of Exodus, Numbers, Joshua, and several other historical books in the Old Testament. Therefore, it should be read as history with the words meaning what they say. Again, the idea of the plain reading of Scripture. Now that word yom is going to come up again. Uh, when they talk about uh, the word yom, it's used for a literal day. It's pointed out that throughout Scripture, the word is most often 
used to reference a 24-hour period. And it's also used with numbers, the first day, the second day, and with the terms evening and morning, which does suggest a literal 24-hour period, uh, time passing, the sun rising and setting. Next is the idea that God created the first things instantly and supernaturally. He didn't have to wait for it to progress. He just spoke and it came into being. A very instant idea. I think this is also largely a response to theistic evolution. And another thing relating to evolution is the order of creation. Uh, The order of creation in the Genesis account is drastically different than the evolutionary timeline. A few examples are that, according to scripture, uh, the earth came before the sun and stars, but according to evolutionary sources, it's the opposite. Also, according to scripture, water came before land. According to evolution, land came before water. So there's a few major points of disagreement there. Next refers to how Jesus talked about the events of Genesis, specifically Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, uh, Noah's flood. When he was talking about them, he referred to them as literal history. And speaking of Noah's flood, this gets us to the fossil record, belief that through this flood that's responsible for creating most of the fossils and most of the geological record. Through both the casual and the studied reading of the account of the flood, it indicates a global flood, not a local flood just to Mesopotamia, as many do believe. This global flood would naturally leave geological evidence. Since it was instant, the fossil record does not indicate millions of years, but rather a sudden catastrophic event, such as a global flood. And next actually has to do with the genealogies. Um, There's several genealogies through the Bible. I know our mother, for example, really loves those. Most people struggle through them trying to pronounce all the names, or some just skip it entirely, but but you can get some good stuff out of them. Uh, Specifically, the genealogies in Genesis 5 and Genesis 11, they give the years between Adam and Abraham. Most scholars agree that Abraham lived around 2000 BC, and this would put creation at about 6,000 years ago. Of course, as we mentioned earlier, there's different estimates in that, ranging from 4,000 to 10,000. But from this source I used, they went with 6,000. And the last has to do with how it's been interpreted through history. As I mentioned at the beginning, through much of history, this was the understanding. Before different discoveries were made, everybody just read it, read scripture plainly. So for 18 centuries, the church universally held to the belief that creation occurred 4,000 to 5,000 years before Christ. Young Earth creationism is consistent with Orthodox Christianity and also the understandings of Judaism, and it seems inconsistent with God's truth-loving nature for him to allow his people to have a false view for 3,000 years. So that's a lot of the uh, arguments from a Young Earth creationist perspective, which, as I mentioned earlier, are mostly responses to evolution, old earth creationism, theistic evolution, and many other things that are viewed as contrary. Good, that's a good overview. And as we wrap up this episode, I mentioned several times that this isn't a salvific issue, but when I say that, it sounds a little minimizing. So I do want to say that this is important for us to research and for us to look into and even to have an opinion on 
because I believe that even though we disagree, even though some of us are wrong, I don't, I can't, of course, I think I'm right. Everybody thinks they're right. It could be me. I could be wrong. It's important because I think in our study of scripture and in our study of science, we are drawn closer to God and we learn more about God. There's something called general revelation and special revelation, or it's been called the two, oh, I forget. There's another word for it. There's all kinds of words for it. Basically, specific revelation is like scripture and Jesus. And general revelation is from nature, what we discover through science, what we see in the world. And so by studying science, by studying scripture, we are going to be drawn closer to God. We're going to learn more about God. So I think this is really, really good, despite our disagreement, for us to learn more and more about God. And God's going to reveal himself to us, I believe, through the study of, of scripture and of His the world that he created. And I'd also like to say, whichever side of this you are on, be careful of how you view the people on the other side. If you're an old earth creationist, don't view young earth creationists as against science or against discovery, because uh, they do have many good scientific evidences and explanations that go with it. And if you're wanting to see any of those, check out Answers in Genesis. They've got tons of resources there. On the other side, if you're a young earth creationist, don't view old earth creationists as against scripture or just false interpretations. Because remember, the Bible is a complicated book. And there are different ways that we can understand the things written there. And I think it's important to remember that the pillar of truth in all of this is the idea that God is the creator. Mm -hmm. That's, I think, one of the first things that we must believe. And then how he did that. I think it's important to research, important to find which side you lay on, but don't view that as what you were saying, a salvation issue. What The most important thing is that God is the creator. How is secondary. Completely agree. Yeah, the how can be a way for us to discover and learn more. And if you learn about somebody else's belief about how, that's just going to make you more educated and know more and a better critical thinker. Like That's a good, positive thing. But yeah, our foundation is that God created the heavens and the earth. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. We hope you learned something. Feel free to check out Answers in Genesis or Creation, Evolution, and Intelligent Design book. I stumbled through that, but that's okay. Um, you can also check out Reasons to Believe at reasons.org to learn more about what we've talked about today. So again, thanks for listening. Feel free to email us with any thoughts, apologeticsimplified at gmail.com, and God bless. This has been Apologetic Simplified. To learn more, go to www.apologeticsimplified.com. To support this podcast, leave a rating or review on your favorite podcast app, or you can give at www.patreon.com slash apologeticsimplified. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week.